Welcome everyone to a special episode of Tea Time with Tommy. Guys, today's a special day for us today. Of course, we have uh, Sean Columbus and Norris Cabrera, but he needs no mention. Former WWE referee Jimmy, Jim Corderas is here to join us. Thank you very much, Jim, for coming on the show out of your busy schedule. No, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I, I wish I, I wish I would have brought my coffee cup because you know my ref and rants. I usually have my coffee cup. I, I feel like now I got to find it. <laughs> my apologies. I, I didn't want to bother you too much with the email information. So I was just thankful. It was an honor to have you on. So I didn't want to bother you too much with more information. But next time, if you come on for sure, we'll have tea uh, yeah. all of us together. Cool. <laughs> so <good>. yeah, <laughs> awesome. So let, let's get right into it, uh, Jim. So like. Uh, First, first question I'd like to ask, um, so you, you had an illustrious 22-year career in the WWE. Um, I just want to ask you, first question is, uh, who, like, who was, like, the best wrestler you've ever, like, I know it's a little question, but best uh, best wrestler you've ever seen that, that oh, you ever yeah. See, that one's tough because, you know, I, I have, like, criteria for different things, like, who's the best high flyer I've ever seen, who's the best storyteller in the ring that i've seen and who's uh you know man to to try and narrow it down to one overall best ever mm, that's tough I'll, 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 how about this i'll give you my mount rushmore yeah and and, and because trying to narrow it down to one is tough so my my personal mount rushmore and this is like from all wrestling from everywhere, I would have to say, is probably um, Ric Flair. Oh, right, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I put Undertaker in there because I'm an Undertaker guy, and I got to spend uh, a lot of my career, you know, with him and to see him. Uh, I include him as much for his role as a leader as much as his in-ring stuff. So, you know, there was a guy who... Uh, as we're finding out now with this documentary going on, he, he's a guy who gave a lot and, and gave a lot of advice. And he he was our locker room leader, not by his choice. That was the choice by everybody else. They Everybody pointed to him and said, he's our guy. So that speaks volumes to me. Um, <clears throat> as far as raw talent, I'd put Randy Orton in there as oh, a guy yes. who's just like, like just a complete natural. And... Uh, if I had to pick a fourth, wow. Uh, with all due respect to uh, uh, the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be, uh, I got to put Shawn Michaels in there because he was like, he, he was incredible. Even through his times when he was, uh, let's just say a handful backstage, he was, again, he was, again, just so good. Uh, but there's so many names you could throw in there. Man, you could put uh, Oh, I don't even want to get started now. <laughs> <laughs> There's a load of questions. That's a great much more. 22 cool. years, so it's definitely probably hard to go back on those years, right? Yeah, lots of experience. Oh, I, yeah, and, and getting to see so many different and get uh, actually honored to get to work with so many so many great talents. Like guys, guys that I'd watched before I got into the wrestling business with guys I got to see get into the wrestling business and flourish and like you look at good canadian kids like edge and and christian and stuff like that getting to see them from the beginning 
and and develop and and mature into what they became. Man, I've been blessed. I can't. I can't. I have no complaints, man. None. <laughs> Absolutely. Go, go ahead, Norris. Go. Ahead. Uh, hey, Jim. Uh, I just have a couple of questions. Uh, one. Um, uh, what like you know the the WWE uh, talent um, you know travels uh, almost every day on the road. Um, what are your uh, fun memories, if you have any, of your travels with WWE from city to city um, down the road? Oh, it's it it the travels are almost as much fun at times as as grueling as the schedule was. So the travel was almost as much fun because what happens is you end up. Uh, like for myself being a referee and also on the ring crew at the time, you kind of, uh, you know, everybody gets a car together, like, like the, the talent themselves, um, you know, they have to rent cars and drive if there's not a bus that like overseas trips were easy. Cause you, you know, you fly overseas buses, take uh, the talent back and forth. So you're, it's a little easier to travel there, even though you're overseas. Uh, in North America, basically, you fly into wherever the first town is, you pick up a rental car, you get together with your crew, whoever you travel with, and you guys travel down the road together, and you make your shots that way. Um, and you be, you know, it's it's always easiest when you when you travel with your best friends. It makes it easier, and you, you have fun in the car, and you everybody amuses themselves in different ways, whether it's playing, uh, you know. Uh, little games as you drive along, just having conversations, talking about business, uh, talking rumors, gossip, you know, it, it, it's how the, it's what everybody did, you know what I mean? And, and, and we were no different uh, as referees and, and the crew. So my car was basically uh, my car. Our car <laughs> was basically <laughs> myself, Tony Chimmel. Um, Larry Heck became uh, like the third member of our three stooges. And then, the fourth seat always rotated. Like sometimes it was Kyoto, sometimes it was uh, Hornswoggle, sometimes it was somebody else. But uh, uh, the th the three of us were our mainstay, and we just we we enjoyed each other's company. We were we had fun traveling together, even when it was a long drive. We we made it enjoyable. Yeah, cool, so, John. Jim, I know you've worked with the greatest legends over your career, but I'm sure there's probably that one ultimate dream match that you'd want to referee. If you could pick one ultimate match with either your choice of a legend or current superstar, who would be in that match and what type of match would that be? Oh man, that's a tough question. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, and, I, and I'm looking across all boundaries here too, you know, like I look, uh, oh, you know, uh, I look back and believe it or not, um, I'm a, I'm a fan of all wrestling. Although some people think I'm, 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 uh, the the reason I, I talk more about WWE is because on Sportsnet that's who air they air WWE programming so that's all that's why we talk that's all we talk about on Aftermath right um, but I was a fan of of New Japan and All Japan wrestling back in the day um, you know I watched WCW you know even through the Monday Night Wars when we were in the locker room with the TV in the back over there yes. hey let's see what the other guys are doing that kind of stuff oh, yeah. so try. So trying to figure out who I would love to, I would have loved to have refereed a match. Uh, I, I say this all the time, Bruno San Martino, mm. because he was, he was that, that figure before Hulk Hogan and man, 
maybe him against like someone like an Antonio Inoki, if you want to go old school, you know, mm -hmm. someone from, from that I never had a chance. Like with Bruno, I got to meet him, but at the time he was an announcer. He was doing commentary for oh, WWE. Wow. He was wrestling yeah. at the time. So uh, I had the pleasure of meeting him and, and, and a great gentleman, but I never got to referee a match of his, which I think would have been cool. Another guy is Nick Balkwinkle. Oh. I look back mm -hmm. at a guy like Nick Balkwinkle, and to me, he was the ultimate pro wrestling heel champion. And he was smart. He was intelligent. He could work. He could do it all. He could talk. Um, and he had Bobby Heenan. So, like, oh, there's a match that I would love. Bruno versus versus Antonio Inoki would have been, like, oh, yes. not, not a note of him, him versus Inoki or Bruno versus uh, Bachwinkle. Hmm. That that would be uh, the ultimate babyface versus the ultimate no, heel. Not what I expect. Know? When I was thinking of this question, I was like, "This you like?" There's probably so many wrestlers that you've refed matches for over your career, and I was like, "Is there anyone that I probably that you probably haven't refed?" So that's definitely a yeah. Good and, answer. And if you go yeah, if you go new school, you know, <clears throat> I know people are going to say, "Oh, this," is, but you know, I'd like to work with guys like Roman Reigns. If, if it was possible, yeah. but but him with guy, him with guys like Randy Orton, him with guys, you know what I mean? Like mix that mm -hmm. old school and new school kind of together, if, if that makes kind of sense. Yeah. Uh, somebody 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 was talking. I was talking the other day, and some somebody said, "Would you, if they ask you to come back and referee that Edge versus uh, Randy Orton, uh, I'm throwing the air quotes, greatest wrestling match of all time up there? Would you do it?" And I said, "In a heartbeat. Are you kidding mm -hmm. me?" Mm -hmm. Guys like that, yeah. yeah. So. Mm -hmm. Wow, that'll be those are uh, Nick Bockwinkle, WB legend, absolutely, Jim, absolutely. Um, I have my uh, question is basically it's like kind of like um, uh, it's like a loaded one as well. But like, uh, what is the difference from your illustrious twenty-two year career being a referee and now working at Aftermath? Like, do you, uh, do you feel there's like similar differences with both, or um, you know, like what is the difference in similarities? Um, difference is, it, uh, is now I'm as a referee. Okay. Let me, let me start with that because uh, all, all those years, uh, the referee, the role of a referee is to be a part of that story is to help the guys in the ring, tell their story. And the referee is not the story unless he's in, kind of incorporated into the story. Do you know what I mean? To, yeah. And incorporated in a way so that those guys are telling their story. Um, and he should be invisible until he needs to be visible. Because the referee is not the story of the match. It's, it's the guys in the match that are the stars. They're the ones that are selling tickets. The referee doesn't sell <laughs> tickets. Um, now, transitioning into uh, broadcasting and being an analyst, um, it's similar in a sense that I'm trying to accentuate what's going on in the ring and bring light to the things that I see. But at the same time, I'm that voice giving my opinion on it as opposed to being more in the background and being more invisible, if that makes sense. If they, so there's the biggest difference. I'm still trying to help them tell their story with uh, <clears throat> going on and saying, well, this match, this is what I saw and that kind of stuff. But now I'm more vocal about it as opposed to being in the background, trying to help tell that story in a, in a, in a silent kind of way, if that makes any kind of sense whatsoever. It <laughs> <laughs> uh, makes total sense. <laughs> I know the ref has to kind of be humble in the ring because you're communicating between the production and the wrestlers, but you can't let the audience know that. So that's 
big yeah. talent in doing yeah. that. It's it, it's 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 a challenge because again, you don't want to be overly overt when you're you know passing on time cues or whatever. And a lot of times, the talent that want uh, use the referee as a go between between them and the ring. Like you'll go over to a swimming and he'll say, "Hey, go over to him and tell him to do this and this and this." And now you got to kind of find a way that maybe you're going over and looking like you're giving him crap about something if it's a heel or, or you know what I mean, or trying to instruct somebody, but at the same time you're kind of passing on a message, so to speak. So uh, you try to do it in a way where it's not overly overt, you know. Yeah, that's cool. Um. Do you have any like uh, like funny moments that has happened in backstage? Because I know there's a lot of like, um, you know, some like you know drama or like fun moments in in the backstage in a gorilla position, especially or in the locker room. Um, do you have any like uh, fond memories of that uh, in in uh, certain WWE events that you've been to? Oh, absolutely. I mean, like you know, a lot, a lot, a lot of uh, as I like as it likes to be referred to a lot of haha happens backstage where, you know, a little bit of ribbing here. Most of it is playful ribbing and, and not very, um, you know, it's not meant to, to, to harm anybody, but sometimes it gets a little carried away. Um, the best at it, of course, uh, recently we saw the dark side of the ring, the Owen Hart episode. Mm. Uh, God bless Owen Hart, because if there was somebody who kept everybody smiling and happy in the locker room, it was Owen uh, probably, uh, played the greatest rib of all time on none other than Vince McMahon where um, I don't know if you remember a long time ago they had that hog pen match between, yeah I remember uh, that Triple H Hunter Hurst yeah Hunter Hurst Helmsley versus Henry God yes. yeah. so so we're in the back and we're waiting for the arrival they were bringing livestock they were bringing these pigs that they were going to have live pigs running around and stuff like that. So the truck shows up with the guy delivering and he just said, where do you want the pigs? And Owen happened to be there and he says, I got this. Hey guys, follow me. And we're like, it's Owen. We're going to let him do it. I don't He's know. He's got experience. Yeah. Whatever. You know. So Owen leads these guys and he leads these pigs and he takes them down and takes them over. He says, right in this room, right over here. We're looking at the sign on the room. It says Vince's office. They're in the production meeting right now, so <laughs> nobody knows. <laughs> we're like, okay, you know. So production meeting ends, and we're kind of like m lingering around the office because we want to see what the what the uh, what the results going to be. If Vince is going to be hot or whatever. Vince goes in his office. Not even a minute later, he comes out. As soon as he opens the door, he starts yelling, "Oh, and he knew right away." <laughs> it's almost like you do right away. <laughs> Nobody else would have, would have the grapefruits, as they say, to do something like that except Owen. But he, but as he was yelling out Owen's name, he was smiling at the same time. So you, you can never get mad at the guy. That is awesome. Uh, yeah. I, I just, want, I just want to add real. Sorry, I slide real quick. I, mean, I, I uh, uh, God bless Owen Hart. Uh, and uh, I also watched that episode. You did an amazing job. You were in that episode. So. Uh, kudos to that uh, episode of uh, Dark Side of the Ring, but but I uh, just wanted to say, I'm sorry, Sean, to cut you off. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no, I was going to actually mention that too because it was probably a tough, tough uh, subject to go back to. But like, it, it's such a his career. Everyone should go and appreciate what he's done, and um, you know, it makes you want to go back and watch those matches with Owen Hart and uh, such such a great wrestler over. 
the years. Um, yeah, and I, and they talk about the, someone, who's a, someone who's a natural and, uh, you know, <clears throat> of all the Hart brothers, Brett got the most recognition, but I think, I think Owen was the most naturally gifted of them all. And he was a high flyer too. And I think in that episode, I, um, it was mentioned that he was just getting started. He had a lot of potential where he could go in the next coming right. upcoming years. And I wanted to touch on um, my next question is the time period. So you've been refereeing for so many years, but I was wondering if there was a certain time period in pro the professional wrestling business that was your favorite. And um, I know it's covering over 20 years, right? So there's yeah. the Attitude Era and then the early 90s, mid 90s. But if there's a certain time period that you really enjoyed working in. Um. You know, it's funny because each era has its pluses and minuses, uh, like anything else in life. Uh, I enjoyed that that when I first started refereeing in 1987. Uh, wow, I can't believe I said that. Uh, <laughs> you know, what a great era to begin in. I mean, obviously the Hulk Hogan era, and and that's when when wrestling was starting to take off mainstream. And and that was a great time. You know, you had Randy Savage, you had Ricky Steamboat, you had uh, Roddy Piper, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Andre the Giant and these legends and these larger-than-life uh, people. And then, you know, through the years, uh, the Attitude Era was fun. At times, I think a little bit too much fun. If, <laughs> maybe a little over the top. Unpredictable, <laughs> probably. Yeah. Great word for it. Unpredictable. I like it. Um, but I, I did like the Ruthless Aggression Era, too, because that's when I thought pro wrestling and sports entertainment combined and meshed well together. You were able to have some great wrestlers and have some great wrestling matches, but at the same time have some entertaining characters and entertaining segments. And, and I thought, I thought it blended well together. You didn't have too much of one thing. You had a nice mix of everything. And I thought that's for me, that was, yeah, maybe my favorite time was that ruthless aggression or because like I said, you had your Eddie Guerrero's, you had your Kurt Angles, you had, you know, at Edge, Taker, uh, man, you had uh, Hunter. It was great That's talent, nice. but again, ag yeah, but uh, again, a great diversity of talent. It wasn't just one, you know, oh, this guy's great technician. Yeah, he is, but this guy's also a good high flyer. We had a great mix. And I thought, I thought for me personally, that's my favorite time. I think that was a prime too with a lot of the talent when the wrestling started really getting creative and that key uh, when they were at the peak almost, I think, with the WWE yeah. back then. Yeah. Yeah. I also enjoyed some of the younger talents too, like Shelton Benjamin and Charlie Haas uh, and uh, the Basham brothers. Um, they were, they were like very uh, entertaining and they, uh, they just developed their craft very well. Uh, and Orlando Jordan too. So yeah, oh, yes. amazing, amazing a group of talent that have potential. No, I agree. And and that talent there, you mentioned Charlie and Shelton and and guys like that in the Bashams. Great talents, very. Uh, but they were also sponges, if you know what I mean. They would go to guys like, like I got I got had the pleasure of refereeing a lot of matches with Shelton and and, and Charlie against uh, Eddie and Chavo. Yeah, especially on the house show loops or the live events where there's no cameras there, but that's where you start 
experimenting, see what works, see what doesn't work. Okay, that 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 worked. We got a reaction from the audience. We got to do that mm -hmm. on TV. But those guys were also <clears throat> not afraid to ask questions and didn't, you know, I don't want to say that the younger generation now thinks they know it all, but there are, there's this mindset, I think, with some of them that, hey, that old stuff has passed us by. We got to move forward. I don't, I don't disagree with moving forward, but don't disregard mm -hmm. what happened in the past too. There's a way to, to, to incorporate both old school and new school so that it's, you know, yeah. they work in well together as opposed Absolutely. to apart, if that makes sense. Right. Anyways. Yeah, I think those house shows had a lot of creativity where you could test and experiment. And then uh, I think that was kind of the second part to my question is where where do you foresee things going in the next few years? So I know that there's been a, a lot of change in the business and a little bit of meshing of old school and um, and they still a bit of old school mixed with a lot of talent and new moves that we see as well. But kind of what you envision for the next couple of years. Uh I, um, I obviously, like, uh, like I said, it, it is a changing business and, um, um, of all the brands out there right now, which I want all to succeed for those who don't believe me here, I do want AEW to succeed, but I think they are concentrating specifically on their core audience. For example, you know, the, the, the diehards who, who have bought in and I think uh, right now, they're using Mike Tyson as a conduit to try and draw some different eyes to to the product. The challenge for them is to keep those new eyes, uh, you know, the casual mm -hmm. fans who might not yeah. be uh, too in tune with their presentation, if you know what I mean, of the mm -hmm. of the more high spot, the more spot fest, the more flash as opposed to substance. Uh, that's that's my opinion, of course. I think right hmm. now, of all the brands out there that show the good mix between old school and new school, I think NXT is hitting the mark right now. Mm -hmm. I think that presentation mm -hmm. is one that could that could resonate with casual audience looking back going, oh, this is the way I remember it used to be. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But also, you know, still incorporating some of the new school philosophy, if that makes sense. You know, because at the end of the day, a wrestling audience is invested in you, you. You have to get me invested in the character, in the person you are. You know, you can you can be the greatest technical wrestler in the world, but have no personality. So people, why will people tune in if you don't have any personality? If you know what I mean. So you gotta you. You can be you can be a decent wrestler and have great personality, and that means more to somebody on the casual side. I mean, to the diehard fan, they might say, "Yeah, but he's not as good as this guy in the ring." true but he connects with the audience more than that guy does mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's a tricky balance right and yes uh, it the is a big challenge of it all so that's, what, that's why i say there's, <laughs> that's why sorry sorry to cut you off that's why i say there's no one right way to do it the right way is whatever works and it, it might be something that you never thought of or somebody might say you know what i didn't think saying this or doing this would work but it seems to have caught on so you know, that's 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 why right now in the current situation we're in, without being able to do live events and travel and do that and experiment, it's hard to see what works because, you know, it's a business that's predicated on the live reaction from your audience, the live feedback. Um, I like what they're doing now where they're putting some of the talent outside to make some noise and it helps with the presentation on television. But at the same time, are you getting an authentic response? 
Do you know what I mean? Like that's like, the thing. Yeah, sure, when you think sure. about yeah. it, like you, your when fans you, are at home, but you don't really know what they're yeah. thinking, right? Yeah. The pay, the pay customer is going to tell you what they think. The guys that you're putting in there to <laughs> to make some background noise are just providing that background noise. But are they being, you know, are they giving you authentic yeah. feedback? Uh, yeah. Very good point. For sure. Wow, uh, Jim, man, you have so much. We could like, I wish we could just talk for a week with you straight. You got so many great stories. <laughs> and uh, like, uh, so yeah, now uh, we like to uh, do the trivia thing. Are you ready for uh, some trivia, Jim? So, I hope here's so. <laughs> like, uh, like that show a long time ago, uh, you won the millionaire. I'll give you, I think you'll get perfect. You'll need any help. I'll give you three lifelines. You can ask uh, Norris and Sean for your help. If you don't have a question, I mean, if you're stuck on the question, but I don't think you'll need their help. So let's start. Uh, I'm glad you have confidence anyway. <laughs> no, I, think I, I have total confidence in you, Jim. Let's start the trivia with the Jim Corderas here. Question number one, Jim. What was the main event at WrestleMania 5? WrestleMania 5? Oh my God, that's Atlantic City. Uh, uh, was it Hogan Savage? Boom! See, I have total faith in you, Jim. We have, to, we have total faith. Yep. Hulk Hogan versus Randy Savage, uh, Clash of the Mega Powers, WrestleMania Five. That's right. Yeah, That's I think we did WrestleMania Six last episode, Tom, where it was at the Skydome yeah. with Hogan and Warrior. Yes, yeah. we're going back one year, but Hogan, <laughs> yeah. the, the man. <laughs> Question number two. Who did John Cena defeat in 2005 to win his first ever WWE World Championship? Oh my goodness. And I, that was SmackDown and I was there. Was it SmackDown? It wasn't. No, no well, it was a SmackDown brand, was it not? I, thought, I believe it was SmackDown, yes, 2005. Oh my goodness. This is in. Oh boy. There's see, see, here's. It's, you definitely ask Norbs first. Yeah. yeah, okay, okay. I'm going to use a lifeline here. Or should I? I? You know what? For me, I don't care if I score perfect or not. I'm going to take a shot at Kurt Angle. Oh, it was, it was a very good guess, Jim. It was actually uh, JBL, John Brashaw Layfield. Uh, uh, Cena defeated him. Oh, yeah. oh, that's right. I should have known that. I should have known that. That's right. All good, all good. Actually, my old, my old golf buddy, uh, my old golf buddy, JBL. Oh, nice. <laughs> awesome. Tell me, tell me say hey, hi. If he, uh... He's been in the business a long time, too, so JBL's got Yeah. Amazing wrestler. Uh, question number three. What was the first WrestleMania that took place outside of the United States? The first WrestleMania that took place outside of the United States. Six. Skydome, I was there. Boom! I, <laughs> Look I gave back. it a probably last question. <laughs> I actually <laughs> feel like I read it that way. <laughs> I read it that way. If, if I didn't know that, then I'd be in trouble. <laughs> oh, no, no, a lot of people don't know that. Uh, question number four. All right, this is a pretty uh, interesting question. Who was the first wrestler Bobby Heenan managed in the WWE? It was back in the WWF, but who was the first wrestler Bobby Heenan ever managed in the WWE? Oh my goodness. 
the train and him. Freddie Blassie was with him. See, I'm trying to think because, you know, at the time when they actually had managers, there was Lou Albano, there was classy Freddie Blassie, and Bobby Heenan were the three main, and the Grand Wizard. Right. Wow. Okay, I need a lifeline here. I'm going to need a lifeline. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, North. Uh, that's go ahead. a tough one. Uh, yeah, that's a tough one for me too. I'm taking a wild guess and say uh, King Harley Race. No, it's uh, you know what, uh, Jim is a special guest. I'll give you guys one more, one more chance, one more guess. Okay. Um, Any three of you can like. I'm going to go with Harley Race. Oh, it, it was a uh, Big John Stud. Oh my goodness! Oh, really? See, see, Big once you John, get the answer, uh, you go to yourself. Ring, yeah. You gotta, yeah. <laughs> it was, that uh, was no, a I'm gonna got this in ten tries, uh, Jim. It was actually the uh, it was against Andre the Giant. It was a body slam match. I believe it was WrestleMania one or two against it Big John stuff. No more. Moving on, doing great. Um, here we go. This is. I don't think you need a lifeline for this. Oh, what moniker was Bret Hart given? That moniker that he's known for. Oh, of course, the Hitman. They were the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. There, I'll, I'll give it. You got it right. Do you know the other one? This though. You, you, you said in, at the beginning of the show when you mentioned. Oh Bret wait, Hart. wait a minute. There was there was. Uh, oh, I'm trying. Oh wait, 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 wait. Give me a second here. Give me a second here. Okay, obviously he was the Hitman. Oh, there was. Oh, this is gonna drive me nuts now. Oh, <laughs> uh, you get. Uh, hit me with it. Hit me with it. Go. The excellence of execution. Execution. Oh. Yes. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I give that to anybody. You got. You already named two already. You got yeah. that. Awesome, awesome job, uh, Jim. One last one, just for fun, for bonus. Sure. Who? John Michaels' first opponent in the pay-per-view singles match. It was at WrestleMania 8. This was his first ever opponent in a pay-per-view singles match. Oh. Wow. At WrestleMania 8? Was it, was it Marty Jannetty when they, when they split up, when he threw him through the barbershop window? No, that was a very good guess. Uh, for some reason, it wasn't Marty Jannetty. Maybe they wanted to build that one up. Uh, no, I'll, I'll give I'll give you another uh, another guess on that. And if you wanna, uh, if Norbs and Sean wanna come in, I want them to come in. And... I'm digging back in the archives. I'm wondering if he was yeah. a good guy back then, or what was that one he broke? Good guy. He was a good, good guy because at that time, Sean became a uh, heel yeah. after Marty Jr. Mm -hmm. So, wow. It's funny as I think of these questions, I have the, the rest yeah. of the DVDs in my basement. And it's <laughs> like, I gotta dig those back out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what about this, Jim? Like, these two have been getting, like tough questions every episode, so I have to like ramp it up because yeah, I know you we, were less yeah. very, very knowledgeable, so I thought I could like. I'm gonna go way outside the box on this one and say, uh, I don't know why I'm saying this, just incredible. No. No, no, another great guess. I only got this either. It was a Tito Santana, guys. Oh, cool. Tito Santana. I wouldn't have guessed that. I wouldn't have guessed that. Yeah, WrestleMania 8. But, uh, I no, it's four. I, for, I, I forgot that Tito was still there then, but anyway. 
Yeah, he's uh, one of those classic wrestlers. Uh, but no, oh, great job, Jimmy. Four out of six. These are tough questions. I need uh, like like Norris and Sean get these, but they they didn't know either. Like Norris and Sean would. Uh, these are tough. You did a great job on the trivia. So, oh, you know, great well, job. Even even on our show, our, our show, Nug is the guy who who's our trivia guy. He knows that stuff. Uh, you know what I mean? It, it, it's funny that the guys that were there sometimes don't remember. Like I, I like I, I'd like to attribute it to too many ref bumps. <laughs> well, you were all you were also working at the same time, yeah. so you're you're trying to think of so many things at the time. Meanwhile, we're just watching the matches from a spectator. Exactly. If I wasn't, if I wasn't refing the match, ah, I don't care. No, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We we were watching as much as we could back there too. So, and and please feel free to bring Nuggets uh, on the show uh, in the near future. We'd love to have him on, and we can uh, we can ask trivia questions to both of you and see. uh, Oh, oh no, not to both of us because he he he'd he'd wipe the floor with me. So no. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, Jim. Uh, great job again uh, uh thank you for taking your time joining us i have your busy schedule uh, so uh, yeah do you want to uh give um, uh, like a shout out to your instagram handle for people to follow you and about the aftermath show oh sure um you could follow me on twitter and instagram on twitter it's uh, at jimmy corderas uh on instagram it's re- it's at real jimmy corderas because apparently somebody took my name i don't know what happened there but uh, but you know I, I i have i try to have a little fun with twitter you know i do my daily ref and rants and stuff like that and uh of course you can catch us on aftermath which we're doing digitally now uh we're not on sportsnet 360 at the moment but we will get back there eventually when things get somewhat back to normal but for now you can catch us on friday afternoons live at noon on the sportsnet youtube channel and facebook channel and we do little videos during the week where we do our weekly win and fail and and little subjects and and talk about whatever is pertinent to wwe at the time and that's about it amazing amazing absolutely guys catch him on aftermath this man knows his stuff about wrestling the great jim corderas and uh i would just like to say jim thank you once again for taking the time to join us let's definitely do it again let's definitely do this again absolutely thank you for having me guys and yeah we will do it again for sure Absolutely. And thank you, everyone, for joining us for this great special episode of Tea Time with Tommy. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone. All right, guys. Thank you so much.